The following podcast contains spoilers for Gossard... Ugh, fuck. That's a great movie. Yeah. The following podcast contains spoilers for Gosford Park and Strangers on a Train. You have been warned! everybody to KFR News Radio. This is your host, Glenjamin Button, along with your host, Michael Macusto. Bonjour. Uh, Benicio del Beni- Toro. Benicio del Toro. How's it going, Glenn? It is going, my friend, as That's always. Good. Hey, I got a question for you. I've got an answer. Who voices Darth Vader in the Star Wars movies? God damn, these need to be better. Which ones? That's the important questions. Uh, well, he voiced so it, it Darth Vader. Be. Always has the, I mean, the live action, but could be technically uh, Hayden Christensen in the last of his trilogy because that's when he turns into Darth Vader. If not that, then it must be James Earl Jones. But in the trilogy, they still get James Earl Jones to do the voice of Vader when he's Anakin. It's it's Hayden Christensen, but when he turns to Vader, they get the uh, James Earl Jones. So. uh... You lawyered. <laughs> <laughs> because technically when he turns into Vader is when he's still hating Christensen when he's slaughtering the children. Okay, that's fair. Okay, I, I could, I could uh, you know what? I concede that argument. <laughs> lawyered. So, oh, no. Oh, man, there's a ring in there. Can yeah, that? That, was, that was real loud. My God is right behind me. <laughs> It's like, you're right, uh, friend. Uh, uh, did you see any movies last week that are worth noting? Uh, let's see. Uh, no, I've been trying to catch up on Avatar, as I have been for the last, like, month. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on, like, season two, almost at the end of it. And other than that, I think I went to see Brightburn. Ooh. Which I, before I even speak about that, I want to wait till you see it, and then okay. we will talk about it. Yeah, I should see it by next week's episode, so we yeah, will right. talk about it then. Uh, is that it? That that's it. Well, you know what? I saw. I pulled a Glenn and saw absolutely nothing last week. Whoa! I right? saw more than you. Yeah, I'm. Right. I'm. Hold proud on. Of let you. me let me retract everything I said before. Welcome back to KFR, everybody. <laughs> I am Miguel Magusto here with your host, Glenjamin Button. Oh, that feels weird to say backwards. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So uh, with that being said, I guess let's just get into it. Maybe all right. that yeah. sounds about so, right. All right. So let's get into Gosford Park. of Sir William McCordell. The guests are wealthy. If I wanted coffee, I'd have run for it. He thinks he's God Almighty. They all do. Privileged. Ooh, yum. What's she like to work for? She's a snobbish cow. Famous. But Mr. Weisman's very odd. Apparently, he produces motion pictures. Hello, I'm Morris Weisman. Who? The servants are loyal. I just wanted to be sure you had everything you need. Discreet. You shouldn't sneak up on people like that. Don't worry, it's nobody. Devoted. Thank you. Oh, got some hair on your dress. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Mr. Weissman, yep. tell us about the film you're going to make. It's a detective story. Uh, murder in the middle of the night, a lot of guests for the weekend, everyone's a suspect. And who turns out to have done it? Oh, I, I couldn't tell you that. It, it would spoil it for you. Oh, but none of us is it. <laughs> 
Directed by Robert Altman and written by Julian Fellows, based upon the idea by Robert Altman and Bob Balaban, starring Maggie Smith, Michael Gambon, Kristen Scott Thomas, Camilla Rutherford, Charles Dance, Geraldine Summerfield, a whole shit ton of people that you know. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. Uh, Gosford Park tells the story of the lives of upstairs guests and the downstairs servants at a party in 1932 in a country house in England as they investigate a murder involving one of them. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's it. Sounds about right. Yeah. So it is a star-studded cast for a, what is essentially, as you put last week, clue but not as funny. It's a serious clue. It's a, it, I mean, it does have its comedic moments, but yeah. it, it is mostly serious. Um you know, overall, I did enjoy it, but I thought they could have cut a massive chunk out of, like, the first hour or so. Yeah. Uh, first it, hour was very <clears throat> slow. Everybody had to react or interact with each other. And yeah. And they had to have a party and such like yeah. that. And it was interesting enough to keep me, you know, keep me going. But it, it definitely, I felt like they gave too much depth to too many characters, which is kind of a problem with how, you know renowned this cast is they they all deserve their their uh time on screen Mm -hmm. but i don't think it warranted it for this story i Um, think that although i liked the character depth for the most part they showed a lot of characters and uh, like who they were and what they had about the gripe of the victim um or didn't have the gripe of the victim i think they made it too predictable who, in my opinion, uh, who who most likely was the candidate for you know murder? Until the, I would say the end when it's revealed that because like the yeah. guy who they chalk it up to this whole thing that this guy's gonna get stabbed. Even the poster has a guy with a, a knife in his back. Um, so you know who that's gonna be the whole time. So mm-hmm. it kind of it kind of makes you not that interested until it's revealed that what he did didn't kill the person. Yeah. Um, and it's revealed that someone else had committed the murder by poisoning before mm-hmm. the knife, uh, which ended up being Helen Mirren. And and that huh? honestly, yeah, oh, we already said spoilers. That honestly was a, uh, I thought like a, a great twist. Yeah, um, that was that was a nice plot twist. I yeah, honestly it, wasn't expecting. Yeah, and it was built up the whole time too. It wasn't out of left field where, you know, he. Uh, Clive Owen, who is the person that you think is the murderer until it's revealed that what he did didn't actually kill the person um, and was was post-mortem. Um, and, he, like, you know, they, they build his character as being an orphan who uh, his mother worked in a factory. His father was a, a rich man. Um, and it, it really developed that well and made it believable. Uh to the point where it was easily predictable who it was going to be mm-hmm. um, as far as, you know, before the f- the fake happens, before the poisoning is revealed. Um, so I really enjoyed that. And then when they revealed that Helen Mirren was Clive Owens, was, I oh, I kind of, was it was he, she the aunt or was she the actual mother? I can't remember. She was the mother. She was the mother. And because um, there, there was a point where she was talking about it like she was the aunt. And then... I think she wanted them to believe that she was the aunt. Yeah, yeah. Um, See, now that now you got me second guessing. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm I'm fairly certain that she was the mother. 
because uh, she's she like yelling my boy my boy at the end of the movie yeah exactly um but the, it, that's the whole thing it, it creates like this really good mystery around it um and and pretty much from like I would say 10 15 minutes before the murder happened when all the servants and are are listening to the uh the musician play um and you know it's kind of like this nice calm where everyone's kind of happy f- for like the first time in the movie you know it, everyone's kind of on the same page and then uh till the end that really kept my interest and yeah. uh was very uh well paced but uh, up until then I just kind of felt it was a little too slow of a burn Probably in the first like thirty forty five minutes, they could have cut that in half, essentially. In yeah, my opinion, I, I believe so too. Uh, like, I knew as I knew as soon as uh, William, I forget his last name, but William uh, Mick McCordle, as soon as I saw him drink the uh, what the hell was it? They they he had uh, the chick that was with him in his uh, library give him a drink. Um, as soon as I knew he was taking the drink, I knew what he was—he was taking poison. I was like, "Ooh, there's some suspicious fuckery going on." Yeah, here. I honestly probably stopped paying attention at that point because I missed that. But uh, I knew he was in the office, but I must have missed her giving him the drink. Yeah, they—they—they um, they, they had a shot like that was a little bit more like pay attention to the shot when yeah. he was taking his drink, but they didn't like like show any like poison or anything. They were just like, "Here he is, just drinking his drink and slugging it back." I knew yeah. at that moment, I was like, he just drank some fucking poison. Yeah, because they, they had a shot earlier uh, when um, uh, Kelly McDonald's character is washing a shirt mm-hmm. uh, where she leans forward thinking she hears something and you just see a bottle of poison and they focus on it for a while. Um, so it was... They definitely... They definitely mm, nodded at it a lot. Yeah, they wanted you to kind of get what was going on. Um, Maybe a little too hard, in my opinion. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. Uh, I I think the 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 best part of this movie is that I I personally, granted, I kind of my my focus kept going in and out uh, in the first forty five minutes. Like I Same. said, um, I personally did not see Helen Mirren being Clive Owen's mother coming. No, there's um, only there's only one real. Not not even evidence, but uh, just like moment they have together where you're like, there's something fucky with those two, or like mm-hmm. she knows who that mother is, or but like that's it. You don't expect Helen Mirren to be anything other than maybe like, like a, what's the word for it? Like somebody who knows somebody, acquaintance or whatever. Acquaintance, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think they did a really good job at like during the party. Uh you know, when everyone's dancing, of kind of making you second-guess yourself. Like, you you more or less knew it was going to be Clive Owen, especially when you saw the pinstripe suit mm-hmm. um, of the murderer, just because he was, like, the only one wearing a pinstripe suit. But, uh, like, they, they uh, did a good um, job at making you second-guess yourself, especially with, you know, maybe it was Tom Hollander's character for being embarrassed uh, yeah. about not being able to to uh, get money from him and then to get his job back. Yeah, so until you actually see the murder with the pinstripe suit, it it does make you like, oh, maybe this is going to happen. Maybe that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um and then yeah, it 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 kind of just goes the way you thought initially, but I did appreciate the uh the events that made you second guess yourself. Yeah, especially everybody around the party was having a bunch of fun, and you you knew one of these 
possibly three gentlemen uh, murdered the shit out of uh, William McCordle. <laughs> yes, played by Michael Gambon. Mm-hmm. Um, another gripe I have with it, it kind of... The way the murder was shot, you could tell that Michael Gambon was already dead. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, it's already rated R, so the fact that there was no blood, I was like, oh, he's already dead. Yeah. Um, it's Especially the way he was... Yeah. Lying down, then lifted up, and then flopped back down. Yeah. He, he was definitely dead so, so I not not that I wanted there to be blood, because obviously that's a huge plot point, is that he was already dead. I just kind of wish they shot it differently to make it less obvious. Um, yeah. So, so when they revealed that he was already dead, when the, sta- uh, the stab to his heart happened, it wasn't... It, it was more impactful, you know? Yeah. Um, one thing... Because it was kind of lift, stab... Drop done. Exactly. One thing I absolutely loved about this uh, were the two detectives. Where, yeah, uh, Stephen Fry is the main detective, and he's just kind of going about his job. And then uh, I think his name's like Constable Dexter or something like that, yep. or Detective Dexter. He's actually doing like Constable Dexter, played by uh, Ron Webster. He's actually doing great detective work. But Stephen Fry just keeps like shrugging him <laughs> off. Yeah, he's straight up doing his job. He's like, no, no, no. That's uh, yeah. We'll, we'll leave that to the other people. Yeah, we're, it's just he's just like, there's a broken co- uh, teacup on the on the floor <laughs> here, and Stephen Fry's just like, that is not our job to clean that up. Now is not the time. <laughs> I that that was just that honestly made the whole movie worth it to me in my opinion yeah because it just yeah they they were great together and and the fact that constable dexter was actually trying and you could just you could tell that stephen fry couldn't give a shit Mm -hmm. about the actual murder it was it was a great uh great dark comedy there um but yeah I i think overall this the cast was great uh ryan felipe who uh essentially plays an american actor who's going undercover as a scottish servant for like a a, for an acting gig for an acting gig he was actually good i'm not a huge fan of ryan felipe but uh he i i was really impressed with him in this um you know kelly uh, mcdonald is great as always maggie smith uh the the whole cast was great there was one uh actor that i actually am very sad he didn't get more screen time because anytime he's in a movie he usually just takes full charge of a performance and that's Mm -hmm. charles dance oh charles dance yeah Yeah, dude is just the intimidation train and he didn't get that much screen time let alone lines or anything like that yeah i i think um i don't know why i i think they i feel like i think i personally felt like they were trying to make him more mysterious yeah so you might think and granted he was mysterious yeah like mysterious to the point where you didn't really know anything about him other than maybe his name yeah so like there was a point where like i thought uh maybe clive owen's character stabbed him for charles dance's character yeah um you know for for whatever reason you know i didn't have any idea why that would have happened but i thought it may have happened just because of how mysterious Mm -hmm. his character was uh, but I agree with you. I think he was underutilized. But I also think that that was a uh, a, a choice as far as like the storytelling goes. Yeah. Um, I get the only real gripe I had with it is I couldn't really pay attention to who was who, like like name wise. There were so many people in yeah, this movie. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the problem with any movie with a huge cast with a lot of important characters. Um, I mean, they were all great, granted, but, like, there was so many people, like, rushing at you. And even in the scenes, when uh, the detectives first come into the scene, they're, like, 
immediately introduced to these like hundreds of people in this house and yeah. they were even overwhelmed they're like oh uh, miss stockbridge <laughs> hello yeah and, and that, that might have been like a little bit of a, I mean, a like, british comedy touch but yeah, yeah. It, it didn't translate to me at least I, I just, it was a lot for me and my tiny yeah. little brain <laughs> really the only characters whose names i knew were uh um Mrs. Threntham, who was uh, Maggie Smith, because she's mm-hmm. like the first character you're, or the first rich character you're introduced to. Uh, Kelly McDonald's character, whose name I'm forgetting now, but I, I was able to know who they were talking about anytime they mentioned her. Uh, Mary like, McKeekrin. Mary McKeekrin. Yeah, the one uh, named Elaine or something like that. Yeah, and then um, both Ivor Novello and Morris yep. Wiseman, uh, they they also were introduced early. So essentially, like the the first five characters that were introduced, yeah, were the, were the ones that were easy to keep. Track the ones of. that really stick with you. Right yeah, definitely, definitely. But uh, yeah, overall, I liked it. I think they definitely could have cut down the beginning just to keep the pacing better. Yeah. Um, but I it doesn't hurt the movie as much as it has with other movies as far as no. pacing goes um that's that's for me that's really all i have to say about it to be honest yeah same here it's enjoyable yeah well it wasn't exactly father christmas <laughs> i think he's got something to hide that one do you think he's a murderer it's worse than that he's an actor what about that low bullet that nearly killed him that morning they were out sir we haven't dusted those things for fingerprints yet hmm? good USA Films presents a film by Robert Altman. I was just wondering if you wanted some company. I suppose life must go on. Alan Bates, Stephen Fry, Michael Gambon, Derek Jacoby, Kelly McDonald, Helen Murin, Jeremy Northam, Clive Owen, Ryan Phillippe, Kristen Scott Thomas, Maggie Smith, Emily Watson. Tough luck on whoever's got any secrets to hide. How horrid. Gosford Park. Perhaps the butler did it. So, let's move on to Strangers on a Train. Two fellows meet, like you and I. No connection between them whatsoever. Each one has somebody that he'd like to get rid of. So, they swap murders. Fantastic, isn't it? You didn't know when Bruno proposed this pact that he was serious, dead serious. You had made the mistake of speaking to a stranger on a train. And now, wherever you go, whatever you do, you find yourself dominated by his evil presence. And you, Bruno, to you, killing was the answer. Murder without clue, without motive. The perfect crime, too perfect. And Anne, life looked very attractive to you until the love in your heart became gripped by a terror that drew you deeper and deeper into this vortex of conspiracy. (laughs) Strangers on a Train. Strangers on a Train is uh, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, written by Raymond Chandler, a screenplay by, good good luck with this one, Zenzi Ormande. (laughs) I don't know why I put the accent on it. Ormand. Uh, Stars uh, Farley Granger, Robert Walker, Ruth Roman, and a couple other people in there. Um, Strangers on a Train is about a psychopath who forces a tennis star to comply with his theory that two strangers can get away with murder. Ooh. Yeah. Scandalous. Scandalous. Uh, fun fact, I'm sure you know this, um, 
And I'm pretty sure you changed your mind because I mentioned Throw Mama from a Train mm-hmm. uh, last week. But this Throw Mama from a Train is based on this. Yeah. Um, and uh, I saw this for the first time in college in my uh, my film history class when we were learning about Alfred, Hitch- uh, Alfred Hitchcock. And I was just I was blown away by it the first time I watched it. Um, but I'll let you get into it since you picked the movie. Let's let's uh. Okay. Okay. Give you some time. This is, I believe, the second Hitchcock movie that I've done for this podcast, right? Um, I can't remember the first if you did. I can't either, but I'm pretty sure this is. Um, regardless, I've been, I've have a collection of Alfred Hitchcock movies that I'm trying to get through, and this obviously was one of them. Yeah, Alfred um, Hitchcock is great. He's, uh, as you pointed out last week, he's one of my favorite mm-hmm. directors. Um. I think he's great. Um, so, obviously, this was on the list. So I was like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's knock it out. Mm-hmm. And I knew this had a lot of uh, <clears throat> influence in the modern filmmaking world today. Still, oh, definitely. Um, yeah. So I was like, you know, this is definitely going to be a good one to watch. Yeah. And hadn't heard of it. Well, that's a lie. I have heard of it. I just hadn't gotten ever around to it in my four years of actual yeah. getting to being a movie buff <laughs> did, so. did did i tell you to watch this one i feel like i probably would have no because okay rope um, rope was definitely one of them rope is great that also stars farley granger um and uh rear window was definitely one too yeah but yeah i i, I absolutely love this movie i think uh the cast is great um robert walker as uh bruno anthony he was creepy <laughs> as which is hard to do in, in movies back then like yeah you, you see thrillers and horror movies from back then and it's kind of hard for them to live up to today's standards of creepy and whatnot but but uh, robert walker as bruno anthony was legitimately unsettling at times he um, seriously was for yeah right from the beginning i really enjoyed this movie yeah um, especially robert walker because he gives a performance like it's just an actual psychopath yeah. just the way his mannerisms go to just the way he acts around uh guy guy haynes the the second stranger <laughs> or yeah. the first one whichever <laughs> who cares um yeah just the way he performs in this movie is just fantastic especially like you were saying especially back then because it was so hard to like even nail that role yeah with, even, the, with the sensors and everything you have yeah. to like you can't show too much um, like even even psycho um i think this is a better psycho than uh psycho psycho is that is that a hot take i don't know uh i would it's, say it's a hot take um mainly mainly just because norman bates is such a memorable character and true. that's not to say bruno anthony isn't i think this uh the thing about psycho is that psycho was a national phenomenon yeah where because of the marketing, like it was legitimately a blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone said that Jaws was probably the first blockbuster, but I, I personally believe that Psycho was the first blockbuster. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not to take anything away from from Jaws, because you know that's I mean, a, a great had movie a huge as well. Impact. Yeah, but the the way Alfred Hitchcock just marketed Psycho brilliantly uh, to the point where, like, back then you could buy a ticket. Pretty much the way movie theaters worked back then is they just had a movie going constantly all day, every day. Um, and you would just buy a ticket, go in whenever you wanted, and leave whenever you wanted. Hmm. Um, and, but, but Psycho was the first one where they had designated showtimes, 
where they're just like, you got to get here by this time or else you're not going in. Um, and I know we're talking about strangers on a train, so I'm done talking about Psycho. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's, it's fine, because I also wanted to say, they are completely different characters. Yeah. Uh, you don't really see Norman Bates being a Psycho until, obviously, the Psycho part. Yeah, I think I think that's probably why he comes off as a better Psycho, because other than him being a peeping Tom, he yeah. seems like a relatively normal dude who's just trying to protect his mother mm-hmm. until the reveal. But in this, he is He's insane <laughs> from the get-go. Yeah. Um, like you could tell even uh when he's he's very very charismatic yeah but like you can tell like this dude's up to no good yeah yeah where like the the i guess real world uh comparisons would be uh psycho is more like ed gein who is he was actually based on and then uh bruno anthony is more like uh uh, ted bundy who is actually charming and and uh you know charismatic um but equally psychotic. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Just in different ways. Uh, I think another great person in this, uh, she's kind of the comedic relief in this, is uh, Alfred Hitchcock's daughter, Patricia Hitchcock, yeah. uh, who plays Barbara Morton. Um, and she she is always great. She's always like the comedic relief in movies, uh, 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 in Hitchcock movies, just because she's just kind of funny <laughs> and and i think hitchcock just yeah hitchcock kind of recognized that and was just like no other actor is gonna want to be the the comedic relief in these movies so i'll just cast my daughter yeah um but uh yeah she she was fantastic and you know in this she actually d- did quite a bit of dramatic acting yeah, as well she, she definitely um, uh switched lanes there yeah when she uh when she met bruno yeah Definitely, um, but yeah, I, I I love this movie. I'm really glad I, I got to watch it a second time. Um, um, so I, I do want to say my gripe that I did have with this movie, and granted, this is me watching it directly after Gosford Park. So mm-hmm. is that the pacing felt weird, like a little slow? But then I, again, I'm just re- looking at this uh, runtime, and it's 140 or an hour and 40 minutes. See, I felt like. The first thirty minutes flew by. They did, and then and then after that, it did it was, slow down a bit. But. It was really, it was really entertaining that first thirty minutes because everything was going on, and then yeah. from there, it was a lot of talking and then stalking and yeah. stuff like that. I would that. say probably so, like the 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 second act was paced weirdly, but like yeah. the first the first then, and third then, act are really yeah. Good. Then the the third one kicked back in, so the, the second act really slowed it down, in my opinion. Yeah, um, which I mean. It is what it is. It's still a solid movie, uh, and it deserves to be in every in every way. Yeah, absolutely. But that was that was really my only grant. It's really just a small one. Yeah, and I I love the way uh, Hitchcock adds humor in like really weird parts. Yeah, and, and like like uh, in the final the climactic scene when uh, they're on the the merry-go-round that's just going so fast. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> want to talk about that. Oh my god! There are two parts I want to talk about. There's the part where uh, the cops are standing around and they're just like, "Well, I don't want to go stop that. Do you want to climb under? Uh, go under there?" <laughs> and then this old guy who's like 95 years old has no teeth. You're just like, "I'll do it." And, and then he's been going. waiting his whole life to say, "This is my moment." Yeah. <laughs> And he he was a baller, and probably honestly, like if this were a real movie, he would have died because what what he did 
essentially made the merry-go-round blow up. Seriously, <laughs> there was so much destruction in that yeah. scene. And then, and then the other part is uh, a. <laughs> They cut to some of the mothers who were waiting for their kids on the merry-go-round and while it's spinning around real fast. And they're like, my baby, my baby. And and they cut to this little boy. He's like five, six years old. He's having the time of his life. Oh, my God. (laughs) So when he was punching uh, Bruno's character, I was waiting for Bruno to turn and just punch the kid in the face. Oh, yeah. But obviously that wouldn't have happened. So he yeah. just pushed him off his horse. I, was, I mean, he, I was he tried to. Yeah, he tried to push him off the merry ground, but, uh, <laughs> like, but this guy kid's saved just him. Beating the shit out of guy, yeah. not guy, uh, Bruno. I was just waiting for Bruno to just turn and be like, <laughs> Yeah, th- there was a there was a great comedic moment. Yeah, where it's just like the mom's the mom is like terrified, and the kids just like having the, the yep. best time ever. Um, but Hitchcock's always been really good at that. Uh, like. Even in Psycho, Psycho's got a lot of funny parts. Uh, Rope's got a lot of really funny parts. It, it, he's he's really good at creating comedic moments to break the tension. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's why he was the master of suspense. Not only did he n- know how to build suspense, he knew how to break the tension of the suspense and then get right back into building it right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was just a master of, of his craft. And, and um, yeah, I... I, I love his films he's he's such a great director did uh did you feel in any way that they uh they cast uh farley granger uh to be like a younger jimmy stewart uh i could definitely see that um that's what i felt like yeah jimmy stewart was one of uh alfred hitchcock's go-tos i mean he's in he's in rope he's in the man who knew too much i think he's in both versions of the man who knew too much um he's in uh vertigo uh yeah he's in a lot of uh alfred hitchcock movies and farley granger's in rope as we discussed earlier and and i could definitely see him trying to be uh, or or like hitchcock just telling him to be a a young jimmy stewart in a way Um, like he didn't he didn't have like the accent or anything but it just it was like Man, he would definitely rock a young Jimmy Stewart. Oh yeah, he, I mean he's he's uh, he's the everyman. That's what Jimmy Stewart was known best for was being the everyman, like mm-hmm. someone that uh, audiences can connect to, um, just because he he was he seemed so down to earth and everything. He wasn't this big character. He was just kind of himself. And I yeah. think Farley Granger is a lot like that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he he kind of had a career like that as well. Uh, so yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think he he probably was cast to be that young Jimmy Stewart type but character. This is just speculation, you know. It's just not speculation. Just <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, nah, but yeah, uh, regardless, everybody in this movie was fantastic, especially Farley, especially uh, uh, you know Robert Walker. Jesus. Oh yeah, Robert Walker was fantastic. Um, this was nominated for an Oscar. Let's see what it, who it was. Uh, Oh, it's best cinematography, uh, black and white, because back then they had color and and oh, yeah, black yeah. and white, um, which it had great cinematography. It did. I'm I'm a little bummed that uh, um, Robert Walker didn't get nominated for anything, but yeah. he he probably would have been supporting. He would have been up against Carl Malden in A Streetcar Named Desire, who won uh, Gig Young and Come Fill the Cup, Kevin McCarthy in Death of a Salesman. Uh, Leo Gen in Quo Vadis and Peter Ustinov in Quo Vadis. Um, definitely a streetcar named Desire and Death of a Salesman. I get. I haven't seen the other one, so I can't yeah. comment on that. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see him being nominated as well. If maybe it wasn't such a big 
year. That was a pretty big year. Yeah. Um, I, I did want to say I like the soundtrack at the end of the movie too. Back when in the third act, when everything was happening, music was just getting real intense and like switching between like a Bruno's character and then Guy's character, like two different styles, and it was just oh, yeah. it was real nice. Yeah, and the the scene where um, you know uh, Guy's character is trying to finish the tennis match fa- as fast as possible, so mm-hmm. we can go get it, uh, get the uh, or stop uh, Robert Walker Bruno from planting the lighter there and then cutting in back and forth between him and then bruno walker like or bruno walker bruno, bruno <laughs> anthony losing the lighter was just really great editing too yeah. where it was just it, it kept you on the edge of your seat the whole time and i i, I loved it yeah it was, it was real good yeah real good real good and that is 68 years old now yeah Right? Yeah. Am I adding that correctly? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe seventy. No, sixty-eight. Boom. Yeah. Mathematician, everybody. Yeah. Talk about my small brain. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much all I got to say. Samesies, magamesies. All right. murder on my conscience, but it's not my murder, Mr. Haynes. I wonder if you know how much I love you. Brazen woman, I'm the one to say that. That will do it for our discussion of Gosford Park and Strangers on a Train. And now we come to Lay Judgment. So, let's get started with Gosford Park. Uh, that was mine. Uh, I think, overall, this is a really good movie. And while it's not my kind of movie, I, I definitely see the appeal for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that first act really hurts it more than helps. Um but it is an enjoyable movie, so I'm a little torn about this, honestly. Um, okay. I want to I want to hear your thoughts before I make my my call. All right. Well, uh, really the same as you. Um, the first act really kind of slows it down, but I think the I think the predictability of who is going to be the f- not the first killer but the second killer kind of hurt it. But then when they um, brought in that there was a real killer. I think it it didn't it wasn't impactful enough for me because yeah. they they hinted too much at like poison and and stuff like that so mm-hmm. it, it wasn't really a surprise especially yeah. when Clive Owen went to kill him yeah. um, so that that really hurt it for me the pacing hurt a little bit and the fact that there was 
way too many people in this movie yeah. heard it for me as well. So for me, I'm not going to make it a shelf boy. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, with this being a mystery, there wasn't enough mystery. Yeah. Um, they definitely could have shot it differently so it wasn't so obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like it's almost as if they wanted you to guess before it happened, but then revealed it like it was this major thing. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if they just um, like didn't trust the audience or yeah, they, they just kind of put everything in your face. Yeah. I'm not saying that that is what they went for, but like it seemed like it. Yeah, and I, I really can't get over the first act. And un, unlike movies like a Ghost Story or uh, you know other movies that have slow beginnings. It, I feel like the slow beginning for this wouldn't assist in the second viewing. Okay. Like with like to to go back to a ghost story th- with how slow Ooh, a ghost weird. story. <laughs> it's it's there's a lineup of uh, movies and ghost stories. One of them on my screen right now. Oh, creepy! <laughs> <laughs> but with with a uh, with how slow a ghost story is. Let's just get through this. With how slow a ghost story is in the beginning, it helps the rest of the movie and then helps in the second viewing get you in that mindset of how he's just watching everything happen in real time uh with this it's just kind of like okay we get it they're rich they're fancy they're doing all this fancy shit let's get on with it we don't really care about anything i feel like they could have cut the development of maybe half of the characters to slow that down or to speed that up i mean um so yeah I, i will also say it is not a shelf boy Sorry, Shelf Boy family. Sorry. You will not have one more baby member today. <laughs> but you might with you Strangers on a Train, Glenn. <sighs> all right. Alfred Hitchcock, we all know him as the master of suspense and everything like that. Master of cameos and, you know, stuff like that. Um, this was a fantastic movie. It paved the way for a lot of other movies in the future. The acting was phenomenal, the soundtrack was phenomenal, uh, cinematography even, and in the editing at the end especially, I think this deserves to be a shelf boy. I would agree. This is, uh, in my opinion, one of the m- most underrated Hitchcock films. Um, it, it has every example of why he was the master of suspense in this, uh, including like the comedic breaks and everything. Uh, so I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly that this should be a shelf boy. Out of being a black and white shelf, shelf boy. Yes. So Gosford Park does not make it onto the shelf. Strangers on a Train does make it onto the shelf. Uh, that will bring us into next week's films. Glenn, what is your movie for next week? All right. So the movie I'm picking is because there was a topic last week that we were talking, or I wanted to talk about, but completely bypassed it after we were done KFR. So I'm going to bring it up again. Maybe we'll talk about it a little bit. So, did you hear about the news about Robert Pattinson potentially being Batman? Oh, yes. Yes, I have. How do you feel about it? Uh, Well, I think anyone who thinks it's a bad idea did not see any movie of his other than Twilight. In which case, why the fuck are you watching Twilight? (laughs) That's a terrible movie. Uh, But he is a really good actor that honestly did his career the best way he could he did twilight and was very vocal about it that he was doing it just to not be homeless anymore he was living on his friend's couch when mm-hmm. he f- found out he was being cast as uh edward and in, in twilight um so you can't harp on someone for taking a job for the sole purpose of not 
being homeless anymore. And he made um, a lot of money off of that. And he series. made a lot of and money. He didn't like doing it. He didn't like doing it. He made a lot of money so he could do the projects he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, to name a few, you have uh, uh, High Life. You have Good Time. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Speaking of Good Time, oh, so. I wanted to throw in a little ringer here to shut, well, not shut everybody up about it, but just see that this man can act, that he has the potential to be a, a Bruce Wayne uh, Batman. So I'm going to throw in good time for the the podcast next week. I dig it. I dig it. Who, uh, who wrote it and such? All right. We got good time uh, directed by Benny Safdie or Safdie. Safdie. And also Josh Safdie stars Robert Pattinson and Benny Safdie and Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah. Good Time is about Robert Robert Pattinson stars in a fast-paced heist thriller about a bank robber who will stop at nothing to free his brother from prison, launching him into a night-long odyssey through New York's dark and dangerous criminal underworld. Mm-hmm. And just to name a few more of the the great movies he's been in since Twilight, he was in The Rover. Uh, the Childhood of a Leader. That one's not great, but it's pretty good. Lost City of Z, Good Time, as we said, mm-hmm. uh, High Life. And then he is in a movie that is sweeping can right now called The Lighthouse with Willem Dafoe, uh, directed by Robert Eggers, who did The Witch. So he is a solid actor who is getting good work in great films. And anyone who cannot see past Twilight is a fucking moron. Mm-hmm. And I will say that to anyone's face. Come fight <laughs> me, bros. So the cool thing about most of the movies you named is I believe they are on Amazon. So you might be able to check some of yeah. those out. Yeah, a few of them are still in theaters, but you you could definitely check a few out. Um, so Good yeah, Times on Amazon? Good Times right? on there. Cos- Cosmopolis, which I don't even know. Uh, that's that's a, that is a uh, David Cronenberg, I believe. Yes. Yeah, David Cronenberg. Lost City of Z is on there. High Life is on there. He's all, almost all his movies yeah. are on there. So, so ch- check out a few of his movies yeah. and see what we're talking about. Because like, but until I, then, we've got good time. We have we have good time. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm a I'm a fan of Robert Pattinson. I, I'm glad that he's being able to do what he wants. Um, my movie, Ooh. if we should get into that, is available on Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. Uh, Netflix sponsors. I got a surprise for you. Ooh. Remember how I said I would never pick a romance? Yes. This is a romance. It is Eagle versus Shark, directed by Taika Waititi, written sure. by Taika Waititi, based on the story by Lauren Taylor and Taika Waititi. Uh, it is starring Lauren Taylor, Jermaine Clement, Joel Tobek, and Brian Sargent. It tells the story, uh, the tale of two socially awkward misfits and the strange ways they try to find love through revenge on high school bullies, burgers, and video games. Uh, Again, I have seen this movie, but I saw it maybe 15 years ago. I know that's mathematically impossible. (laughs) Maybe 12 years ago. That's the second time I've done that. Maybe 12 years ago, and uh, I don't remember much of it. So this will kind of be like a new viewing for me. I'll um, absolutely watch anything with Jermaine in it. Yeah, and directed by Taika Waititi. Exactly. Uh, but so, yeah, that will do it. That uh, Next week's movies are Good Time, available on Amazon, and Eagle vs. Shark, available on Netflix. Netflix sponsors. Oh, please. Uh, and before, that will... before we get further, hold on. I got, I got a little more gossip I want to talk about. Do you see what Taika Waititi is directing? Oh, yeah, he's directing a movie where he plays Hitler 
uh, even though he is Jewish and Maori. Not not that. Uh, not that. Oh. I mean, obviously that's a big one. But did you see what yeah. else he's doing? Akira. Akira. I don't I, know how I feel about that. Uh, did you see Akira? I did not see Akira. I, I did want to talk to Tony about this specifically. Is that but, a? Uh, that's an anime, right? Yeah, it's an anime movie. Yeah, that's probably why I haven't seen it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really good. It's really fucked up. But uh. Yeah. It's it's a classic, and so. Like, it's very dark, so seeing yeah. him doing something very dark is just a... Uh, it's kind of a scary thought, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, Grant, um, I think he could probably pull it off. It's just, I want to know how he'll do it. Yeah. But I, I love Taika Waititi, so I'm, yeah. I'm excited for anything he does. Um, but that will do it for this week. As always, you can follow us on Instagram, Keystone underscore film underscore review. On Facebook, we are Keystone Film Review. Letterboxd, I am Mike KFR. And I am Glenn KFR. And that will do it for this week. Week. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.